Point out the colors in you. I see them too, and boy, I like them. I like them. I like them. We way too fly to partake in all this hate. We out here vibing. We vibing. We vibing. Alexa, play Ariana Grande. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Yeah, I'm not nauseous. So if you didn't know, I literally cannot walk in these pants without one hand holding them. So if you don't know, uh, on Thursday, Greg mentioned, I was very vulnerable. And um, it is an interesting preach. That was a good way to word it. And so uh, I'd, I'd encourage you to listen to it because it's an important message about grace and how much God loves you and that that's his basically driving force and it's, and it's not fake. Uh, but I came to South Africa on June 3rd to get gastric bypass surgery. I don't know if you're aware of what that is. And um, because you have to do that when you become morbidly obese. There's a fun term to hear from your doctor. Michael, you're morbidly obese. All right, I need help. So there's sometimes, you know, addiction gets out of control, and praise God, the the addiction I fell into has a surgical procedure that can really kind of eliminate that addiction. So I'm not nauseous. It's just, you know, I have a very different, I don't have a stomach anymore. And so um, it's just been weird. The last few days I've just, yeah. It's just water. I, I saw the thing on fasting. I've been fasting for almost four weeks. <laughs> I am so much more spiritual than everyone else in this room. <laughs> sort of a self-induced fasting. But, uh, so I don't feel nauseous, but there's just times where I don't know what happens. I'll be like, hey, what's up? Hold on. And so, uh, yeah, I've never thrown up while preaching, but if any of you have a weak constitution... I'll make sure and leave the microphone on. <laughs> you know how loving my wife is, by the way? The other night, I popped up and was like, oh, no. Ran to the, we're staying in, at, at Daniel Madaga's place, and, and so it's a unique room because it has a bathroom, which is wonderful, but there are no walls. So Amy and I have had a fascinating <laughs> month and a half because everything's exposed constantly. There is no privacy in that room. And so I jumped up and started, you know, doing my thing into the toilet. And, and my loving, supportive wife said, hey, you know what? I'll leave you alone. And she left the room. I mean, I, what would Hensia do for you? What would you do for Hensia? Really? Oh. Oh, why would I even ask that? You're like emotional twins. But that was the funny, it actually made me laugh while I was throwing up into the toilet. So I'll just leave you to it. Blessings. <gasps> so who does have a weak constitution? Like anybody here, like when you hear someone else doing that, you're like, you can't help yourself? Nobody? Let me see some hands. You want me to mimic some of the noises? <laughs> no, actually, if I did, it would happen. That'd be humiliating. So Thursday night was about understanding the level of God's grace and how infinite it is and how relentless God's grace is because the story in brief 
is how I literally, dis, not just, I radically disobeyed God. I totally ignored the voice of the Holy Spirit, and I melted down for three years, and uh, at one point, you know, just kind of ended up actually saying to myself, I'm fine if I die early from eating, because I would rather eat than live longer and be healthy, which is a pretty dysfunctional attitude. And so I did about everything I could to reject the Lord in, in this area, particularly of my life. And uh, as I slowly started to turn around, part of that journey was acknowledging and understanding that who does God say I am? And how does God see me? See, I had allowed Satan to convince me that I was worthless and a total failure and debauchered and just, you know, every conceivable negative thing. And I'd forgotten who I really am. I'm a child of the king. And because of what Christ did for me on the cross, God doesn't see me as that dude who rejected him and disobeyed him and ignored his Holy Spirit in my life. That's not who God sees me as. So that when I repent, when I come back, he, he doesn't just receive me. He bathes you, bathes you in his grace. And it's overwhelming. And, and, and I kind of shared that grace isn't really something you can read about. I think to fully understand, it's, it's only something you can experience. And when you experience that grace, you get it. But to experience that grace, you have to have a relationship with Christ. So if you don't have the relationship with Christ, you don't get to experience the grace, which stinks. Because this life stinks. And I tend to do, I, I, I thought my second sermon today was going to be on relentless suffering. I don't know if I'm going to do it or not, because it feels like I'm always the guy coming and talking about suffering. Um, but I know all of us are in this, you know, uh, disaster of a world. And, you know, I think we often forget sometimes that we're living under a curse because we messed up. It wasn't God's plan, but because God wanted to be loved and wanted to have an authentic relationship, that means you have to allow the, the other person the freedom of choice to choose to love you or to choose to reject you. And what did we do? We rejected him. And therefore, sin entered the world. That wasn't God's doing. That was our doing. Now, granted, he allowed us in his infinite wisdom because he wants to have an actual relationship where his creation has the choice to love him or reject him. So therefore, things don't go according to plan, and we have addiction, and we get out of control, and people wound us. And uh, Graham, you know, during worship, during worship came up to me and, and said, listen, I just had a vision, and I don't know what you're preaching on this morning, but I, he just saw, you know, those old-time miners, and how they'd have those gigantic backpacks, and, and, and in the backpack kind of had everything they needed, and it was right there at their disposal. And he goes, the word I have for you this morning is that what you're going to preach on is it's going to make it easier to get the treasure. It's going to make it easier to get the treasure. And fascinating enough, this morning is going to be about relentless community. And so I want to tell you why <clears throat> I chose to come to South Africa for gastric bypass surgery. Now, I'll tell you, most Americans are ignorant of how wonderful your country is. I am not. I've been coming here for 13 or so years, and it's the most unique country in the world. You have first world, and you got some third world, but 
I know how amazing your country is and how amazing uh, your doctors are. And so when I realized that I had gotten so out of control, there was kind of no coming back without a severe intervention. Uh, I don't even know how long after. I think it was after I saw how much it was going to cost in America to do this. And I went, ooh, <laughs> that's a lot of money. I wonder what those cheap South Africans will do it for. Not cheap South Africans, but, um, you know, you work with us. And so I reached out to some of my community here and said, hey, and I got con connected with a doctor, and I was like, how much? And it was less than half the cost to do it here. But then as I kind of started going, I think I'd rather go there. The reason I would rather come here is because of community. I mean, what's crazy is, you know, we're here usually about once a year. There's been a few times where we came twice a year. So it's not like I get to live here with you all year round, which I would love to do someday. But the friendships that we have developed here, the community of New Day and our friends that we've met through New Day has developed so strong over the years that I'd consider uh, a lot of these guys and ladies and couples some of our best friends. And, and, and as I processed even more, I realized that this is the perfect place for me to come for a surgery like this because of the community, because I knew that I could come here and be supported and be encouraged, be filled with hope, be free from condemnation or judgment. I mean, it's hard, you know, uh, Eating addiction or food addiction or becoming overweight is one of those semi-acceptable addictions to have societally. But, yeah, you, you get, there's biases against you and there's times where you get judged harshly and, and you know, it, it's not the funnest experience on earth. Uh, maybe the most consistent judgment is when I'm out to eat with people and the waiter or waitress would always bring me the check. I finally started going, okay, why me? Is it because I'm big? And they'd be like, oh, oh, uh, oh. Uh. So just because we're, now I know in some African countries, being fat actually is a sign of wealth. So I love it when I go into Uganda and Kenya. They're like, well, hello. The ladies are like, mm-hmm. Look at that tubby. I want some. China was the most humiliating to be overweight in because they really like big people. And I would have random old Chinese ladies come up to me in public. I'm walking down the street, mining, waddling down the street, minding my own business. And these Chinese ladies would surround me. They'd be like, oh, and they'd be talking in Mandarin and rubbing my belly. And I'd be like, I don't know what to do. Here's the 20, thank you. And so... When I talk about community, I am excluding Greg Garrett. <laughs> Just so you know, <laughs> officially. And so, but how crazy is that? And how important is community that an American, an overweight American, would elect to have surgery here because of the people that I knew I'd be surrounded by? And I can attest for your people that uh, at no time in these uh, over four weeks, has there been a word of judgment or condemnation or criticism or like, well, you just need to hunker down and you just, 
you know, do you need to trust? Oh, I hate when people over-spiritualize things, right? You just need to trust the Lord, and he'll drop that weight off. You know, I trusted the Lord, drop weight, then I'd reject the Lord and gain weight. And I'd try. I mean, it's just been such a journey. But none of that here. It's been, I, I mean, I, it's hard for me to describe how precious the community is here for us. I knew Amy would be taken care of. I didn't know what the recovery, the recovery would be like. I kind of assumed it was a major surgery that I'd be, you know, laid up in a bed forever. So I knew she'd be taken care of and people would surround her and they'd keep her occupied and allow her to have fun. I even Greg's brother blessed us by allowing us to go up to his his lodge, that kind of, you know, so-so lodge up in the Kruger. I mean, we only had one butler. I mean, really great. I'm used to like three butlers. We had our butler positive. Even he was wonderful. I mean, imagine having surgery and not feeling that great. I mean, feeling fine. But, you know, I show up to this unbelievable lodge in the, in the bush, and I have a butler named Positive. <laughs> of course, I can't ever help it. He's like, hello, I am Positive. I went, whoa, I'm negative. <laughs> is pleased to meet you i don't know if we're going to get along and our favorite memory from positive is anytime we asked anything which i don't think we were overly demanding i mean maybe the foot rubs were get, taking a little far but anytime we're like hey can we have lunch in our room he go okay okay everything hey are we having breakfast okay is that a leopard in my room okay how are you feeling? Okay. And so even, you know, even friends of our friends have blessed us in this thing, and that's all a result of community. So this morning, so I don't go too long here, this morning the scripture we're going to focus in on is Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. <clears throat> Amy reminded me, I was so proud of me when I was thinking about community and I was looking up community verses in the Bible, and I came across Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. I was like, look, and look how perfect this is. And she's like, yeah, remember that was the verse I chose in Mexico when we preached on community? I went, oh, yeah. So Amy gets the credit. But, you know, thinking actually about that this morning is what, you know, for me, just one of the ways that Scripture is proven out to me that I know this is real, that there is a God, that Christ was real and that he lived and that he died and that he, he sits on the right hand of God today, is that the, the universality of relational need, it doesn't matter where I travel in this world, people are designed to be in relationship. And as I've preached before and as Amy and I have taught in some of the marriage events that we've done here, there's even a universality on how relationships break down. But community is one of those universal needs that goes everywhere. So back at the end of May, right before we came for the surgery here in South Africa, we were in the middle of nowhere, Mexico, preaching on community and being a part of a church that, by the way, is like a sister church to New Day. It was like, it was bizarre how similar 
and how they did things and how they ran things and, and how they did their small groups. I mean, they actually, I can't remember if I asked if they were part of NCMI, but it was like bizarre how similar. And we just had this instant connection. But the need is the same everywhere we go because there is a God. And guess what? He did not create you to be isolated and alone. That is Satan's desire for your life. Satan wants you to be isolated and alone because when you're isolated and alone, he can, just, he can just wipe you out, which is his goal. Therefore, the importance of community is dire. I mean, there, there is no greater thing that, and by the way, like, like Graham's word this morning, you want to make your life easier and you want that treasure of Christ, it's coming through community. That is what community was designed for. So my hope for you this morning is that if you are not currently involved in a community, and I want to explain what that can look like. So there's not just, and Greg's been talking a lot with the elders and the meetings on what that community can look like. It's not just a cookie cutter thing. All right, so relax. It doesn't mean you have to join a small group and be at someone's home every Wednesday night, you know, whatever. It can look different. But Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope, it's a key word here, to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So I want you to highlight that verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, which right there, that little phrase is why I think it's the Apostle Paul who wrote this. I know there's debate on who wrote Hebrews, but that seems like Paul so much to me. <laughs> he just, like, can't help himself, right? He's like, let's not neglect our meetings like other people, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So let's unpack this for a minute. First is that God, and, and you remember that book, Purpose Driven Life? You know, you, you have to have a purpose. And I think what Paul is trying to tell you here is your purpose is to live your life each day to stir one another to acts of love and good works. So what I'm trying to argue this morning is that I want you, starting from today, every single morning, when you get up, I don't want you to think about coffee. I don't want you to think about cereal. I don't want you to think about work. I don't want you to think about whatever. I want you to be thinking about others. Who can I meet today? Who can I encourage today? Who can I stir to acts of love and good works? That's why we need to wake up. Because if you don't ask yourself this question, you are purposeless which is just like being lifeless if you don't wake up each day with god's purpose in mind which is obviously to love him and love others listen can i mean i've said this before here and i will say this as much as i can no matter where i am and who i'm preaching to and how many times they may have heard this but i just want to simplify scripture Let's strip away all the theology and all the differences that create denominations and why people leave churches. It's so ignorant. As Jesus said, when asked, what's the most important thing? What was his response? 
it wasn't complicated. There's no theology to it. Hey, love God, love others. How do we love God? Obey him. That's his love language. Right? And guess what? All, every single one of Christ's demands are either loving God or loving others. That's why Christ's commands are not a burden because they free you. If someone's tormenting you and you respond with love, that releases you from that torment. They can't torment you anymore. And so your purpose is to love God and love others. And here in Hebrews, Paul, well, the author of Hebrews, is arguing that your purpose is to wake up every single day and go, who do I get to encourage? Who do I get to support? Who do I get to admonish? Who do I get to speak words of life into? You see, community isn't a story. It's also something you can't read like grace. It's an experience and filled with story after story after story. I mean, how many of you, just let's get a show of hands. How many of you have been encouraged, supported, given hope by community? I want to see. All right. That's a lot of you. Which, by the way, is probably why you're here. Because this is kind of the point of church. And I know Greg believes this as much as I do, but Sunday ain't about the preacher. It's about God and others. You see, the church needs to be the hub in your life because it's the healthiest, easiest way to connect with others. That's why Amy got to experience this time here uh, leading the women's study. What was it called? I'm sorry. Seamless. That was community. That's the point of coming here. So you're missing out if you come here to check off a box and listen to a sermon and go, oh, Greg was so smart on this one. And I don't know. I'd better WhatsApp him on this one because I have my own thoughts on that. It's not about theology. It's about loving God through worship and then gathering with others. And, and, and let me be clear again. Sunday isn't really authentic community either because you're kind of sitting there, right? Community is a give and take. Now, I love it, and I know Greg does. We want to give to you on the Sunday. That's a wonderful thing. So there's nothing wrong with what we're doing, but that's not the point. The purpose of today is to give you something, but that you can get connected in a more intimate authentic community with the other people sitting around you and if you're resistant to that idea reject it because that is the voice of the evil one trying to keep you down and suppressed and missing out on the treasure that is knowing christ in community mm. and so again i came here for my surgery because i knew i'd be loved i knew i wouldn't be judged i knew i'd be encouraged and i knew i'd be filled with hope and that's because of the community I've developed, which is, I mean, again, could be so much more meaningful if we were here more. <laughs> but that's the power of community. 
is you stay connected with people, and then when you need them in your darkest hour or a dark hour, they're there for you. And so God's plan for you and your life is to wake up each day and number one, choose hope. That's verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. So the first big deal of community is that you get to choose hope in there because God is a promise keeper and there's nothing we need to fear. And that's partly what I talked about on Thursday evening as well. There's four main things that we fear and we don't need to because God eliminates those and we can trust him. But this isn't the kind of hope you can sit on. Your hope should stir you up to act. And guess what God wants you to do with his hope? Number two of community, he wants you to stir up each other to love and good works. So it's not about just acknowledging that, yay, I have hope in God because he keeps his promises. It's that, whoa, I have hope. Therefore, I want to share that hope with others. And we use that hope to stir up love and good works. Your hope in him leads you to desire seeking out others each day to actively motivate and encourage them to love and do good things for others. Can I have an amen on that one? For real. You're missing out on it if you're not engaged in community. This is what you get. Now, I get it. it you know, we're, we're still in an imperfect world, so some of you might go, I am in on this Sunday, and you're going to join the most dysfunctional, hateful, spiteful group in the history of mankind. And you're going to go, Smalley is filled with lies and deceit. This world is still imperfect, folks. And I guess my main message, and I only say this because I love Greg, and he, I've allowed him to influence me, but get over it. It feels like a Greg thing, right? <laughs> Suck it up. Yeah, I'm so sorry you found the one dysfunctional group here. Leave. <laughs> Leave in graciousness, right? If you come in and they're handling snakes, just go, okay, that's cool. Not for me. I'm going to run. Are you not aware of the snake handling thing? Feels like you're not. That was supposed to be much funnier. <laughs> now I'm starting to think that might be stuff you guys are doing. <laughs> and snake handling is wrong. Right? I mean, there's still wackadoos everywhere you go in the healthiest churches. and just, I mean, it doesn't matter. And so I'm just saying that just because you find one doesn't mean... I'm not supposed to be. I mean, Satan is at work, folks. He's going to get in there. He's going to mess people up. And so you can graciously go, okay, that one failed. So let's keep trying. Seek out an elder. Go, hey, this one, you know, didn't work out, but anything else. Number three, consider each other. And this is a big word. Consider is the word that the NIV uses. So instead of motivate, which is in the NLT version, the NIV says consider it. And the word consider, when you look at it more closely, consider is to think about, ponder, deliberate, meditate, mull over other people. So I'm telling you, the driving force in your life should be about others. In everything you do, so that when you are at work, 
you need to be asking the Holy Spirit, hey, who can I encourage today? Or Lord, bring someone in my life today that I can encourage, that I can enter in community with, especially if you don't have community. You need to, that needs to be your prayer starting now. And guess what? God keeps his promises. He's going to deliver. I once, when we moved from Chicago to Branson, I knew, I've known the importance of community for a long time. And because of my personality, community is very important to me. So I get some of you, just your personality makes community more difficult. But you still need it. And so when we moved to Branson, Missouri, I really wanted community. I prayed, I think, close to four years for God to bring a group of men that I could do community with. Four years I prayed for that. And I never quit. I never, I mean, there were times of discouragement. There were times I'd reach out and somebody and it wouldn't work out. It would kind of whatever, just not be the right choice. And I'd pull back and I kept praying and praying and praying. And then finally, after four years, he got it for me. And we had an amazing small group. And then two years later, we moved. And when I got to the Woodlands, Texas, I was totally like, all right, Lord. And I really, this was my prayer. Okay, obviously, I have to wait for as long as this is going to take. But I'm begging you not to make this a four-year process again. And he started that quickly after six months of moving. He started, you know, and actually, this is a perfect illustration. When I moved there, I went to plant a church. And I was, it was a unique thing. It was like a church within a church. And so uh, we kind of had the mothership. <laughs> and then the mothership was really wealthy. And they bought this huge warehouse that was kind of on the other end of the big block that they owned. And that's what I was going to turn into the loft, okay, the church that I was planting. And then they just kind of assigned to me a worship pastor. I didn't know this guy from Adam. And so Bruce and I met, and we were trying to connect. I'm like, hey, man, this guy seems like, this could be a great first, you know, friend and community. And he, I said, uh, hey, you know, would you, actually, he asked me, he goes, hey, you know, would you and Amy want to go out with Suzanne and I on Friday? And I went, oh, that'd be amazing, bro. Thank you. Yeah, that'd be super fun. And then Friday afternoon, we were at church, and I was walking down one of the big mothership's aisles, and Bruce was coming. He goes, hey, listen, Friday isn't going to work out. I'm so sorry. So can we just reschedule? I went, totally fine. Now, can I give some of you that are awkward in relationships some advice right now? Whatever the reason you might be canceling a date night, if the other person says, yeah, sure, no problem, we'll reschedule, leave it. It's done. You don't have to share why you're canceling. So I went, yeah, sure, that's great. We can reschedule. He's like, yeah, well, let me tell you why. I went, oh, that's interesting. He goes, you see, the people, the couple that we normally go out with on Saturdays can't do it Saturday. They can only do it Friday. So we're going to have to go. We're going to go out with them Friday. Am I alone in this shock? I mean, my mouth dropped to the floor. I just went, and I'm just looking, I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, literally, you just told me out loud, I have a better option than you. And it really deeply offended me, and I get deeply offended. 
Trust me. And I will hold on to that grudge, even though it's unbiblical. I will forgive you because I have to, but it takes some time. And I was like, wow, okay. Well, you're X'd off the list of possible community friends. And so for six months, nothing. I didn't pursue it. He clearly didn't pursue me. I just figured, wow, this will be a really fun pastor-worship leader relationship. And then six months later, Bruce comes into my office and goes, hey, we're starting up a small group, and Susanna and I would love for you and Amy to be a part of it. I went, of course, because I'm so passive-aggressive. Let me tell you what Amy would have said. I can't because there would be cuss words involved. <laughs> do they? No, she does not cuss. I do a lot. And so that didn't fall good either. Jeez, people, it's, I know it's the 8 a.m. service, but wake up. And so my little passive-aggressive self went, sure yeah i'd be really interested oh let me talk to amy first now just know i'm just gonna out myself if you ever come up to me like hey and i'm like oh yeah sure let me but i better check with amy first that's a no i don't want anything to do with you it's true just being honest i gotta start wrapping this up before i throw up up here and so i was like yeah okay and then I called my wife and was like, you won't believe who just asked us to be in their small group. She's like, who? I went, Bruce. She's like, oh, that'll be fun. I'm like, do you not remember six months ago? She's like, what are you talking about? See, this is the difference. Amy's very loving and moves on quickly. Kind of like when I had to throw up the other night. I'll leave you alone. I'm like, yeah, no way. Right? When hell freezes over, am I going to? And then the Holy Spirit started convicting me. And as I started praying about it that night, the Lord said, give it a shot. Just give it a shot. I was like, I don't want to give it a shot. He's weird and awkward and hurtful. And he's like, give it a shot. He's now and has continued to be one of my closest friends in life. And so I'm telling you, give people a chance. And it might start off awkward. Your community might not be that great at first. But have grace. Because just so you know, Jesus had it for you. And that's his expectation, is that you give it to others. So they might be a little off. They might say, eh, I have a better option than you. But you don't know, okay? And so you want to give it a shot. Because that needs to be your driving your drive each and every day is community. So pursue it even with difficult people. Actually, I might even say especially with difficult people because they need community the most. Do you know why people are difficult? Because they're hurting. And they don't have community. I'm just telling you. I, you know, one of the side effects of gastric bypass, because, you know, I had a raging addiction, have a raging addiction, is that, you know, when you come out of surgery, you can't eat. I mean, you just can't. The most I've had is, I don't even know, custard yesterday, sugar-free. Let me tell you, it's the greatest thing I've ever put in my mouth. Mm. 
and so you just can't eat. Well, you know, if you're used to eating a great deal and anything and everything you want, there can be some very severe emotionally negative reactions, which is understandable. But I'm telling you, going into surgery, I knew I have a choice. And I kept telling myself. I didn't know what it was going to be like because I'd never done this before. So I'm not stupid or naive. I know that, well, you don't really know until you know. But I did know the truth is I have a choice. And so I know that if I want to kill people after surgery, I need to choose not to. Right? If I want to be an emotional beast or a total jerk, I might feel that, but I still, even if it's a surgery, I can still choose to do it differently. But I'm telling you, because of the community, because of the support, because of the love, I mean, it's been shocking to me that I haven't felt that. I've been fine, which is a real miracle. The doctor said so, because I'm pretty sure he gets pretty harshly attacked post-surgery. <laughs> you did this to me. And so this is your purpose each day, verse 25. But it is not just simply gathering in a large group on Sunday, because in 25, let us not neglect our meeting together, but encourage one another, especially now. That, But notice, it's encourage one another. That's the give and take. There are times in your community you will be encouraging that person or that group. There's going to be times where they're encouraging you. You're, you're helping them. They're helping you. It is a relationship. And that's the point. But here's how you can do it, and then I'll close. It doesn't have to be the specific traditional small group that meets in a home. I'll tell you, for me, that can be really awkward, too. That's actually what prevented me from wanting to be in small groups when this thing started catching fire years ago. Is I'm like, I don't want to go to some weirdo's home I don't know and eat their freaky-smelling food. It doesn't have to be that way. That is a way that you can get it. It's an amazing way to do that. But it doesn't have to be that. You can do this by meeting together in the coffee shops, in the gym, at school, at work. Guess what? Community can be wherever there are people. But let it be the people in your life. Don't go driving 45 minutes away to something. You can't have a, a real relationship with that. You can encourage, you know, from time to time, but it's your neighbor. It's your office mate. It's the other parents. It's the other wives at your school group meeting. It's, it's the people in, literally, in your community of where you live. Where do you do life? I think Greg is, honestly, he's a great example of this. There are times where he's mentoring guys at the boxing gym, his trainer, another boxer, it's, it's the people that, you, that God puts into your life. That's who you can do community with. So again, it, it's not this cookie cutter thing. One of my favorite ways to do community for people, because again, people sometimes struggle doing that, is to offer the large small group experience at church. Where Amy and I will lead for 10, 15 minutes teaching something, but then the room is set up with circle tables. And guess how many people can fit at that circle table? Eight. And at our church, we train marriage mentors, and you guys do too. And guess what we have at each and every one of the tables? A marriage mentor. 
And so there's, there's six other people at that table that every single week when they just think they're coming to a class, they spend 75%, 80% of the time in that class in community. And guess what starts happening? They start babysitting for each other. They start meeting up afterwards. They start going to coffee with each other. So it can happen in any number of ways, but the purpose is to encourage one another. Henry Nouwen is one of my favorite authors of all time. Henri, if you want to go the French route. But Henry Nouwen wrote, we are unified by our common weaknesses, our common failures, our common disappointments, and our common inconsistencies. That's, why, that's where you get unified. And that, by the way, it's those commonalities that help you, within the context of community, realize you're not alone. And I don't know if there's any greater feeling than figuring out that I am not alone. Other people understand. They've been there. And many times, they will have been there and overcome. And guess what comes out of that? Hope. So your community is not to get together and talk about Greg's theology or other people or to be negative or to be critical. Your community needs to be a place of hope, and that hope will lead to that encouragement and support for each other. Let's pray. Point out the colors of you. I see them too, and boy, I like them. I like them. I like them. We went to fly to partake in all this hate. We out here vibing. We vibing. We vibing. Alexa, play Ariana Grande. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Point out the colors of you. I see them too, and boy, I like them. I like them. I like them. We wait to fly to partake in all this hate. We out here vibing. We vibing. We vibing. Alexa, play Ariana Grande. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.